Fifteen minutes later, he was butt naked laying in the grass. David always said he'd never imagined losing his virginity this way. I'm a misogynist by choice. When she saw him, he heard she got up and David, David said he got behind. instantly aroused. David said every time he saw a craft, they were always bright. Once he got closer, <laughs> all, all the sound suddenly pressed. turned out. His own real I wish everyone could son. see the death glare the worm is giving me right now. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I'm Worm. And I'm Zoe. And this is Ellipsism. Uh, today we're going to be talking about this weird guy named David Huggins. I don't know if any of you guys have heard about him. Not to be confused with the politician David Huggins, but David Huggins from Hoboken, oh, New Jersey. I forgot about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Worm, what the heck is up? We've been postponing this for like two weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> Start an early postponing phase. <laughs> Alrighty, so Mr. David Huggins. So, if as some of you probably don't know, David Huggins is the man who lost his virginity to an alien when he was 17. Um, but I think we need to take it back to a little bit to the beginning, a just brief history on who he is as a person. So David is currently 79 years old. This is as of 2023, he's 79. Uh, he lives in Hoboken, New Jersey, like I just said, although he did grow up on a jar- on a farm, on a jarm. <laughs> he grew up on a farm in Georgia. Um, he does writing on the side and works part-time in a deli, in a local deli. But his main focus is his art, and he has a love for Impressionist art. A lot of the paintings he does are representative of his emotions and the scenery. And even though he was traumatized from everything, he said that the paintings have really helped him cope with everything that was going on at that time in his life when he was dealing with all the aliens and shit. Um, Just from watching the documentary, he was talking about how he's got this huge love of VHS tapes. He was saying just how, like... Not better quality, but how more original the VHS tapes were for science fiction and horror movies back in, like, the 50s. Um, In his early years, he would go on to say that he used to see things that no one else saw or understood. And just to get this out in the open, uh, David is not on any medications, and he's never been institutionalized at any time in his life. So let's jump into his first encounter. He goes on to talk about his first encounter when he was about eight years old. And he said he heard a voice saying, David, behind you. And then the way he described it was a little hairy guy came straight towards him. And he thought he was the boogeyman at first. And as he was looking into his eyes, he could see himself for a moment through that being's eyes. I mean, as an eight-year-old, who the fuck wouldn't be freaked out by that? (laughs) Been there. (laughs) Haven't we all? So... Obviously, he ran away back into the barn. Um, When he was a child, he used to get all kinds of encounters and experiences. Another experience he had was in 1952. He had this encounter where he was in the barn again. This fucking barn. This poor... This barn. (laughs) So much shit happened to David in this barn. It's ridiculous. Um... So he heard a noise and he saw this giant praying mantis-like being, like at least seven to eight feet tall type of being. Um, When he looked at it, he said that he started screaming and was sprayed with a bluish gray liquid. And then as he, as the year went on around the age of nine in 1953, he had a couple more experiences. Um, When he was going over to a friend's house one day, he, the way he described it, he said that he just had a feeling of being watched, but didn't see anyone. 
until he turned around and he saw a gray head coming up from behind the bush. As he saw the being, he said that it was extremely bright, so he curled up into a ball on the ground. And when he opened his eyes, there were three beings all standing around him. He says that he heard three beeps and then they were gone. So then we jump to 1954, about age 10, 9 or 10. Um, he said that he was in a field looking for arrowheads um, until he saw eight or nine bluish guys coming down from the sky. And when they hit the ground running towards him, um, he ran behind his house. He describes seeing their feet on the other side of his house. Then they just walked away because the way that his house was set up, um, it was set up in a way that it was like on cinder blocks almost. So you could see like under the house so that it would wouldn't be like messed up for torrential rain downpour or whatever. Um, so when, when while he was on the other side of the house, he said that he saw that their feet and they most likely acknowledged that he was there, but they walked away until later that night when they came into his room and they took him outside and floated up into a craft as they were in the craft uh he said that they went to this room with the grays which if you don't know what the grays are basically that stereotypical alien that everyone describes seeing when you have an alien encounter and then a woman showed up she had a gray rod in her hand and she put the rod in his nose and obviously you know, if you get shit shoved up your nose, that's going to fucking hurt. So the way that David tells the story, he said that he explained to the woman, you hurt me. She got really close to him and said, oh, come here and let me see. And suddenly David said that the pain was gone once she did something to him. Like, yeah. Um, David said every time that he saw the craft, they were always bright. Let me reread that. David said every time he saw the craft, they were always bright out. But once he got close to them, it was like all the sound suddenly turned off in the world. Which, according to a lot of other alien encounters, that's something that happens pretty commonly is when you get near an alien craft. The people have described it as the sound will just stop from everywhere. That just happens when I dissociate. <laughs> dissociate. Just silence. Then I get stuck in my own brain. Am I an alien? <laughs> uh, you might be. You are the entity. Eventually, he ended up leaving Georgia around 19 years old. He left to join an art program in New York, but because his parents never really supported his artwork, he wrote them a letter basically telling them where he was. He packed his fucking bags and he got the fuck out of there. Um, part of the reason David left was a lot of the abuse he suffered from his mother and father. They were both alcoholics and his father was extremely unfaithful. Everyone knows... Everyone who has met David has always said he's a very humble person and he doesn't see himself in any special way and has never really questioned why the beings chose him in the first place. In the documentary that was made about him, he goes on to say that the beings were never hostile and they, and he described multiple types of beings that he would see. There was a few of them. There were the small gray beings that were just really tiny, like I'm talking three, like two, three feet tall. Um, there were also little hairy guys that we talked about earlier. Um, they had these glowing yellow eyes, and he described that to always be standing out the most with them. And then there was this taller being who had a knob on his head, and you can look up this painting. Um, he did a painting of it. It's a really interesting painting of him talking to this being that has a knob on his head. Yeah, this alien just has a top knot, you know? It kind of it, it looks like a penis on his head, but, <laughs> I, you hipster know. alien. 
Hipsters yeah. Have on their heads, right? What? Hipsters have penises on their heads. Um, most do, from what I remember, yeah. uh, from back in the day. They've got those man buns. Do you remember those man buns? Yeah. <laughs> like those shitty little man buns where they would have like their whole fucking head shaved except for this tiny oh. little thing on their head. <laughs> and then and one of those glasses, the... Uh, oh, those fucking like black square hipter glasses. Oh my God. The right aviators? Aviators. Oh my God. Those were a fucking... I think I still have... Uh, dude, I'm... I like aviators for like real sunglasses because they're better. But, like, just wearing them for funsies. I think you look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, so, anyways. Uh, David described the being with the knob on his head to be the one that was usually in charge. Um, then, as we talked about earlier, there was that praying mantis being who always... David described him always speaking to him as if he was a child. And then, finally, there was the being who would end up taking his virginity. Her name was Crescent. She was this woman-like uh alien that she had gray skin but kind of like a skin she had a gray face but with a skin tone body kind of looked like a yassified voldemort if i'm being honest with the nose and stuff the way that he painted her she kind of looked like an owl or am i mixing that i up? think you're mixing it up with someone else because i have the exact same haircut as crescent yeah she's got uh the way that david painted uh most of the alien women that he came in contact with they had long black hair with bangs and they had these giant eyes that were blue in the center but black all around and they wore these blue cloaks and so another encounter that david would go on to talk about was one night he was asleep and this little hairy alien woke him up and told him to get dressed and come outside. So as he left the front door, the hairy being's eyes were glowing. So, sorry. I... <laughs> My brain short-circuited there for a second. Um, so as he left the front door, the hairy beings were... He was following these beings to a line of trees. And there was something glowing on the ground and where they went to it, these three hairy beings led him to a woman in a blue cloak, which is Crescent. Um, She was sitting under a tree and once she saw him, she got up and David said that he just got insanely aroused when he saw her. The beings told him to take his clothes off and he fell back onto the ground and then Crescent got on top of him. David describes it that as he reached climax, he was looking into her eyes and passed out from the pain while these other beings are just chilling they're just watching him do we know what specific pain he's talking about at all he just described it as just being a pain like a really intense pain that made him pass out i also couldn't find anything that like specified pain just yeah like passed out from pain yeah that's that's how he's described it several times to anyone that asks is it was just a very intense pain that he just passed passed out from um life is a pain i do pass out often <laughs> need some more salt just like trinity says <laughs> um so one of the last things that david remembers from this encounter is crescent looking at him and smiling and she said woman forget and david repeat david repeats saying david forgets after he passed out from the pain he said that he woke up about 15 minutes later and was just completely butt naked in the grass uh david has always said he'd never imagined losing his virginity that way and always thought that it would be in the back of a car or something like most teenagers 
<sighs> to be young. <laughs> and then in 1965, when David was about 21 years old, during the Great Transit Strike, there was no public transportation running, so he had to walk everywhere in New York City. Um, this was until he attempted to hitchhike his way around the city, but then a black car pulled up and offered him a ride. He you know, said, I wish we could still hitchhike. I know it led to a lot of bad things. It led to a lot of murders. <laughs> <laughs> That's why people stopped hitchhiking. <laughs> I hear so many great stories. And I hear so many bad you stories. You know, Charles about... Manson used to pitch up, pick up hitchhikers. You could have joined a cult. Every other person that picked up a hitchhiker was probably a cult. I mean, yeah, look at Jim Jones. I'm pretty sure he picked up a couple. The 70s was crazy, man. My grandpa was telling me the other day, my grandpa, he was like, he was talking about something with the cults. He was like, I should have started a cult, then I could have more money. And I was like, well, grandpa, you were around in the 70s. You had every opportunity to start a cult. You were in the same area as Charles Manson for most of that going on. You had the chance. I think I would have started a cult. I feel like it would have been interesting. I feel like no one got caught. Or they don't look how many cults are still happening. Look how many I know. churches are still up that you've heard you've activity. heard of heaven you've heard of Heaven's Gate, haven't you? Yeah. Heaven's Gate is still around. Have you seen their website? Oh, oh my goodness. I Dude, they've that. got a whole website still up. It looks yeah. like nineteen eighty threw up on it. So Heaven's Gate is the one where <laughs> Heaven's Gate is the one where like everyone they, killed themselves, but Yeah, they all killed themselves, uh to go to their oh what what the fuck did they call it? It was like the Earth was recycling, so they all had to leave. But uh, there it was something about their bodies. I don't remember what it was. Now I'm mad. It was. Well, we'll save that for another day. Yeah, we're gonna have to come <laughs> back to this. I can't remember. Tune in at some other point to listen to us talk have about you ever Heaven's heard Gate. His video. Which video? He has a video talking about like what people need to do for the recycle of Earth. Voice is just, and, and like he doesn't blink the whole time. Yeah, and it's just, it's just <laughs> a lot, dude. That cult is just ugh, it's something else. Crazy. Um. Anyways, back to the story. So, as David was hitchhiking around New York City, was when this black car pulled up and offered him a ride. He said that there was a woman in the car who didn't say much to him other than where he was going. Um. I he described this woman's face to look similar to Crescent's, but it was very covered, so he couldn't really tell. After that ride, he said that he had a compelling dream of a woman's face that looked very similar to Crescent's face. Um, he said that he felt like it was a dream, but he knew deep down it wasn't a dream. And for months, every morning, he'd hear, we'll be back tonight. This dream was very significant to David because no matter how hard he tried to shake it, he said that it was like an internal battle with himself where it was either yes, no, real, or dream, and he couldn't really tell. Until one day when David was passing by a flower shop, he kind of, excuse me, the way he said it in the documentary was, well, if it's real, I better get her some flowers, which, God, David was on top of it, really knows how to treat a woman. Um, so that's exactly what he did. He got her some flowers, and the next night when Crescent came to visit, he told her that the flowers were for her, and there's a painting of uh, him depicting this incident. It's, it's a really cute painting, honestly. Very pure. Unlike some of his other artworks. <laughs> um, so David said that she took the flowers with her when she left. 
and then he began to prepare the apartment like he was going on a date with someone like the dishes would be washed everything's would be everything would be picked up all kinds of shit would be going on um another little encounter that david highly highly recommends doing with any significant other is just rubbing heads he said that it's just very beautiful and he recommends it for any relationship so if you got a lover just try the david method just rub your fucking noggins together as you're rubbing heads take both your hands put them over your eyes and just um, (laughs) meditate a little (laughs) okay so the way that david described crescent he said that she was just very beautiful and had a very human like body with huge boobs and everything he didn't say the boobs part but Trust me, look at some of the artwork he's done. And the only he said that the only difference between a human woman and Crescent was how long Crescent's fingernails were. That was really the only difference he described between Crescent and a human. Um, David always said that Crescent was his girlfriend, even though it was very unconventional. But he described it as a warm and happy relationship, even though, like most relationships, all they did was have sex most of the time. Um In 1967 was when David found out he was a father for the first time when Crescent came to him and said that his baby was dying. And there's paintings of David, like, painting what was happening when this was going on. So if you want to get more of an insight of, like, the emotions that he was feeling at that time, just look at the paintings with his babies. Do we know how Crescent got her name? I was not able to find anything on how she got her name. Just as the title I think so. It seems like, I don't know, with this, it seems like she presented the name. It didn't seem like there's a lot of communication going on. Just. Yep. Take your clothes off. Get down. (laughs) Get down. Um, The dream date. (laughs) Yeah, that's. Yeah. Every man wants a woman that doesn't say anything. Doesn't doesn't say much. Just tells him to take his clothes off. (laughs) Um, so, like I, like I said, in 1967, David found out he was a father for the first time when Crescent came to him and said that his baby was dying. He asked to see the baby, and at first she refused him. Um, so she picks up this baby out of a container in a room where she said David wasn't allowed to be in. So as he tells the story, he went on, he said he went to bed, and the next thing that he knew, he was on the ship. The manta, he said that the mantis being wasn't too happy with him being there. And David just started having a full mental breakdown, saying, yelling and screaming that his baby was dying. And he saw Crescent with the baby and she walks over to him and she it's just this little like alien being lifeless body in her arms, basically. And there's a painting descripting this describing I can I'll get there. (laughs) Um, But there's a painting describing of the scenario that was going on. And once, uh, once David touched the baby, he said that there was some static electricity that shot through him and the baby, and then it started moving again and basically kind of came back to life. So they took him to another room filled with babies, and he asked them who they all were, and they told him, well, they're yours, David. Um, he has a painting of this incident, and it's really probably one of my favorite ones that he's done, because he's just got this shocked look on his face. And it's... It's just such a comical painting, just in the expression that he puts in his artworks. 
Um, he said that he touched all of the babies with his energy and brought them back to life is how he described this encounter on the ship. One of the other encounters that David remembers was when he and Crescent sat down. This was like years later. Um, and she showed him a young boy who he said, who she said was his son. Um, over the years, the beings would visit during the day or night. And David says that was a gray period for him because he would always forget what happened. Um, eventually they had left David alone for so long that in 1987, he got married and had his own real human son until one day he started remembering all different kinds of things. Like the flashbacks were just coming back and it made him paranoid to the point that he didn't feel safe in his own house because he just felt like someone was just constantly watching him and always around. Um, Eventually, he did end up hearing about Bud Hopkins, which for those of you that don't know who Bud Hopkins is, he's an American uh, artist and author and ufologist. He was prom he's, he's a pretty prominent figure in the alien abduction phenomena and very heavily related to UFO research. So David ended up getting his book, and he said that this book changed his life, basically. Um, there was a chapter in the book, which you can still buy the book today. It's I've I've skimmed through a little bit online. It's a, it's a pretty solid book, honestly. Um, so there's this chapter in the book called Other Women, Other Men. And as he was reading it, it was just memory after memory was coming back because of everything. It was just such down to a T for David. He said that there was a meeting with the beings where... They okayed him to do these paintings, and initially it took him about three weeks after that before he started doing the paintings. He said that the paintings would give him a new hope, and it felt like a weight had been lifted off of his chest with these paintings. So he didn't. So David didn't start painting until after he was married, I'm assuming, um, just because, yeah, it took him a while to get all these paintings out, But and there's tons of them. He does occasional pop-up galleries in New York, too, for these. Um, but when you... So... My brain stopped for a second again. <laughs> I've been taking my medication today. Um, he described the praying mantis being always in the room with them. Uh, a lot of these paintings, he does tell stories. It's like a circle port that opens up, and he goes through a doorway onto this craft. One painting depicts David ejaculating into a bowl with two beautiful alien women around him. He's even done a life-size painting of what he calls the tall woman, who he also had sex with. He said that it was rather intimidating, but also rather enjoyable. And I'm talking, so David stands at about, God, I'm going to guess at least 5'9 five, nine, five, nine to 5'11. And this tall being was at least seven feet tall, is guesstimating my off the top of my head from I what i remember found out that he has over 150 different paintings of these encounters that's insane <sighs> to be an artist you know and his artwork is very realistic like the way that he paints it it's just very beautifully done i would love to buy who's some of his guy? art i don't want to say embarrass myself but who's this guy the guy, the guy that does the scream painting yeah i couldn't fucking tell oh, you <laughs> I could not fucking tell you, dog. I get just like the similar art style. Like they have the same. Uh... Yeah. Um. So anyway, the tall woman he said was rather enjoyable. Eventually, he finally had a sit down with his wife and they talked about his alien encounters. 
Unfortunately, though, this did result in a divorce, um, which which to this day, David and his ex-wife still live together in New York. They're just oh, not married. Yeah, uh, they they still live together and they're very close friends, but the marriage just didn't work out. So they're still in each other's lives and they cohabitate this New York apartment together. Um, so let's jump back to David's son Michael for a second so when his son was younger David tried to tell his son a very PG version of his life with aliens and David's son Michael always described his childhood as pretty normal aside from his father's encounters with aliens Michael seemed in the documentary Michael is just very chill about the whole situation um what's really nice though is that through David's paintings we get a glimpse into what he was going through in that time and what he has experienced um it almost seems like he's finding point finding poise finding peace by getting into his own psyche alongside us currently david still works in his deli shop and his son currently lives in thailand one of the things that david has been working on and i hope to see really soon is a movie about his life and david wants to make this movie he said he's been writing out a, a script on it um, he said that he wants to make it as realistic as possible with all, like, all the little details and all kinds of stuff. Is it, like, just, like, a live-action? Yeah, like, a live-action recreation of his life. I kind of want to see the alien sex scene. I think it would be very funny. It's just a movie. I can't describe the movie. (laughs) It's just a movie. It'll come to you eventually. So we've reached the end of the podcast, unfortunately. This was just kind of a short and sweet episode. Uh, David tends to really keep to himself, so not all too much is known about him. But there is some research out there on him. He's very nice. Everyone that's spoken about David has always just said how very down to earth and kind and loving he is. He's a very great man. And it wasn't until, like, they wanted to make this documentary about him that he really told his story because he has, he's never tried to monetize himself on any of this. Um, he's just kind of kept it to himself. That's why no one really knew about it until that documentary was released a couple years ago. But even though Crescent, he said that even though Crescent doesn't visit him as much anymore, he still holds her very close to his heart, which is very, very sweet. And that is the story on David Huggins. What do you think, Worm? I feel like he has. Uh, what is that? What is that called when you when you miss your abuser? What's it called? Stockholm syndrome. A little mm. bit. I feel like I don't know. He was eight. This is very predatorial. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, and we kind of. Because if you watch the documentary, I downsized this quite a bit just because there was so much information on on in that documentary. It was very fascinating. It's called Love and Saucers. You can get it on Amazon Prime right now. It's pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, short, sweet, and simple. Just like him. Maybe we'll meet him one day. He is, what, 79? Yeah, we got time. He's still we alive. Got, we got time. Hopefully. Corona didn't take him out. He's still alive. He's still kicking. And I think that's it. Yeah. Oh, wait. Final question. 
what's your favorite kind of water? Like, are you a water snob? Do you have like a favorite brand of water that you like religiously stick to? Because I, before I started drinking liquid death, I was an arrowhead girly. Like I, arrowhead. it was just good. It was, it's cause it's mountain spring water. Me, I love mountain spring like water. That's probably why I liked me. it, but it hydrated <laughs> me. Mine was, uh, <laughs> I, Fiji. Fiji's a good one. I would buy Fiji when I was like just really desperate for, I wanted to feel a little bougie. Cause you know how it's like three bucks for a little tiny bottle. Fuck Dasani and Aquafina though. Yeah. Can't stand those bitches. Coke product water, disgusting. There was a time. I'm not gonna specify location, but my city's water. <laughs> uh, we weren't supposed to drink it for. No, a no, minute. we should we should put this no, city I'm... on blast. We should put this city on blast because they they had a raccoon in their water, <laughs> a dead raccoon. <laughs> I still drink the water. No, I didn't. I think I was gone by that time. I don't think I was. Yeah, you had anymore. you had been moved out for like maybe six months, if that. Like, but you you may have drank some raccoon water. and i'm sure if you wanted to lurk hard enough you could probably figure out what city this is in it's not very hard just look up raccoon in water it's probably like 2018 or something Uh, i think so 2018 2019 they're always having problems with their water (laughs) (laughs) all right worm you want to hit us you got anything else to say or do you want to hit us with the outro um i have nothing else um that was uh david huggins and we hope you get home safe. Text us when you get home. <laughs>